This is Paul Dick, owner of Stark Strength and Conditioning and Stark CrossFit. And we've got two of our awesome athletic therapists here today, Jeremy and Heather. And um, we're going to be talking to them about what goes on in uh, uh, treatment and what type of uh, treatments they do for, for athletes uh, and individuals, just because not everyone knows about it. So uh, first up, I just want to ask you two, who are you? What makes you tick? So we'll start off with Jeremy. Alrighty. Well, my name is Jeremy LaHaye. Uh, I'm, I'm an athletic therapist at Stark Therapy. Uh, I've been treating since 2014. Uh, worked with a variety of different sports, mostly football. So we got the Bison football team, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, provincial U18 team, along with uh, a bunch of different sports, volleyball, soccer, basketball, you name it. I probably helped out with it. Um, what got me into AT was pretty much, uh, I got into kinesiology, I liked working out, and I figured it would be an additional tool in my tool belt to be able to help with that kind of programming. So, um, everything else, uh, I guess, uh, not really the greatest athlete, but I kind of tinkered with whatever. Uh, played hockey, football, soccer, all that stuff, but... I wasn't really that good, so I figured I'd uh, just fix athletes instead. <laughs> and then... Uh... Hi, everyone. My name is Heather Normand. I am another athletic therapist here at Stark. I have been treating clients since 2016, um, working mostly in athletic centers kind of like this and with lots of sports teams. So currently I'm with uh, Garden City High School, and we're doing all their contact sports, which is super exciting because it's actually the first program of its type. Uh, so that's been really fun working with the teenagers who don't always know when to kind of take a step back, but I'm trying to educate them. Um, as far as myself, I was always very involved with team sports, my main one being field hockey, which is a good one if you like to get injured, take it from me. Um, and then, yeah, same as Jeremy, I just knew I wanted to be in somewhere where I was going to be active and I wouldn't have to sit all day, and I wanted to be in healthcare where I'd definitely be helping someone. All right. So, uh, so what is athletic therapy? So some people, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it. They don't know exactly what goes on in it. So take us through like a, a typical treatment, maybe a, a bit of a history from athletic therapy and, uh, and you know, your, your take on it. All righty. So uh, what athletic therapy is, is we specialize in musculoskeletal injuries. So muscles, tendons, bones, and ligaments. Um, so in the clinic setting, we are working one-on-one -on -one with patients, um, just kind of helping them get back to either sport or just everyday life. So whether that's working out or anything under that category, uh, just trying to help reduce pain. Um. The other big part of athletic therapy is that we do have the field setting. So in our training, we kind of go through clinic and field. And so anytime you're watching a sporting event and you see someone get injured, that is an athletic therapist running out there with their beautiful fanny pack. And we're doing emergency on-care stuff. And then we get to follow through with them and take them into a clinic and get them back on that field. And that's the cycle we like to go in. But we also focus a lot on prevention, which is why we love spending lots of times in gyms. Because if you're coming to see us for an injury, we don't want you to come back for that same injury. As much as we like you and we're going to have a great time, we don't really want to see you again. 
I think that's always a good approach to have. Um, I know with some practitioners, and it doesn't matter what what type of uh, therapy they are using on their clients. Uh, some of them might not have that approach, and uh, it's it's better for recurring revenue, obviously. But if you can fix someone um, within a shorter amount of visits and make them feel better, then I think that's that's huge, and that says a lot about you guys as practitioners. Rather than like, hey, we're just gonna like you know get get you coming back as many times as possible, like three times a week and do the minimal just to kind of get you in the door. And uh, I I know I've been places and worked places where that was kind of the, the idea, trying to get like, you know, each therapist to work with like five clients at a time within an hour. And, and that was the goal. So yeah, a great way to get people in the door and, and, you know, make money for the clinic. But when it comes to like actually helping out the uh, the the clients and getting them better, I don't know how much uh, how much uh, care you can actually give them. Do either of you have a, a comment on that? Yeah, speaking like recurring revenue, yeah, you're gonna get that. But I'd rather make that with the connections with my patients and getting that word of mouth and those recommendations from them because they saw such good results. It's not about getting the same person back. It's maybe about getting more people aware of what you can do and how you should be treated. Uh, I just have to agree with all of that, but uh, I didn't get into it to, for the financial side. It's more I want to make a difference in someone's life. So if it's getting them back to whatever activities they were doing as quickly as possible, I feel like I'd feel more pride of that. That's cool to hear. So what is the, the education and training like to become an AT? So it is definitely, a, what is it, a four-year program, and then you have about 1,200 hours or so of volunteer that you have to do, six and six, like team and uh, clinical. So maybe tell us a little bit about that and, uh, you know, I guess your experiences, maybe some teams that you worked with and stuff like that. Yeah, it was a really good experience. So we do four years of our program. So... Jeremy and I both went to the University of Manitoba, and there it is part of the kinesiology degree. So essentially on our degrees from the University of Manitoba, we have a degree in kinesiology with a specialization in athletic therapy. And essentially what that looked like while we were going through school is that all of our electives were filled for us. So we were looking at classes like assessment and modalities and exercise rehabilitation instead of just filling it with whatever coursework we thought would be kind of fun. But it was very fun, don't get me wrong. Um, and then as far as the hours, um, the 600 clinical, when I first went into it, I was like, oh gosh, this is going to be the worst thing ever. I just want to work with sports teams and athletes and have a really fun time. And then I started building those relationships with clients in the clinics that I was in. And I realized that that was where I really wanted to be. And then the sports teams, don't get me wrong, also fun. Athletes can be a bit high maintenance, but they're oh so fun to work with. And it's mostly their motivation. And so I worked with hockey teams mostly, and then also the University of Manitoba track and field team. And it was a really good experience. Massive teams, so there's always lots to keep you busy. And it was a really good experience, but so busy. Uh, yeah, definitely busy. Um, pretty much going in class all day, followed up by clinic, and then going to your field sport. So it's pretty much 14, 15 hour days every day. Um, Mostly six days a week, we'll get Sunday off too. We're supposed to study, but it actually just just relax. Um, 
Other requirements is we have to do a national exam after all our hours are done. So that was one weekend of hell going through all different scenarios and uh, written exam and all that. So uh, that was a blast. So do you find that um, athletes or people who, who do exercise, I, I pretty much consider everyone that like walks in the door here an athlete, but with your experience with like field sports and uh, and like clinical work, uh, are, are athletes more motivated to, to do the rehab and get better or are they just going to like just try to get back into it with skipping out on uh, the rehab part? Like what do you what do you typically see? Like if, you know, you you assess an injury or whatever, you're treating someone in the clinic and then giving them homework. And I know a lot of times people don't do that as much as they should. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, athletes and, and following through on some of that stuff? Uh, so that's definitely uh, one of the issues with athletes is they're trying to do way too much. So you give them a few exercises to do, stretches, all that stuff. They're doing it 20 times a day where the general population, they just want to fit it in through their schedule. So it's definitely a learning curve working with one over the other. And they both have different challenges. But it's kind of understanding your client and seeing what, what you can do with them and make sure they're getting back to where they should be. On the flip side, you'll definitely get those athletes who say, oh, well, I did those stretches three days ago. I don't need to do them again. Um, and it's just kind of getting them into that routine and them understanding that just because you have, you're doing these stretches and you're doing those additional exercises, it doesn't mean you can't participate in your practice or your game or your weightlifting. It just means that you might have to adapt things a little bit differently. And so just getting them to kind of understand why it's so important so that they're motivated by themselves is not just us telling them, that's a huge part of it. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, if, if you're, you're giving them a prescription, essentially. So, um, you know, it's up to them to, like, follow through and, and make sure that they're, they're doing that. So, like, say if, uh, say if someone goes to the doctor or whatever and has an STD and the doctor gives them a prescription, like, you want to make sure you finish that prescription, right? <laughs> like, you don't want to, ah, I took it for two days, I'm feeling better, back in the game sort of thing. Um, but <laughs> maybe not the best <laughs> Maybe not the best analogy, but whatever. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, so on, on to the next question. So um, yeah, just w maybe just finishing up with that, make sure you finish your prescription and, and do what your AT tells you. So who, uh, who is your typical client? Like, is it just athletes from, from off the field or like who, who do you guys typically see or usually see in the, uh, in the clinic? That's a really tough question, and it also is another reason why I love being an athletic therapist is because you get a little bit of everything. We get the athletes, and we get the super hardcore athletes who are just kind of there to participate in their sport, and that's all they really do. And you get the ones who are playing hockey after school and maybe want to go a little further with it, and then you get the moms and the dads who are playing ultimate frisbee once a week, and they have that muscle strain. And then you have people who we're in a car accident or have been injured at work and it's all about just get that motivation and get better. And so a typical client is hard to really pin down, but it's definitely someone who is motivated and is there to get better. Um, definitely agree with all that. Uh, definitely see a variety of different ages coming in the clinic. 
They can be 8 to 10 years old, or they can be 80 to 90 years old. So all different activity levels, and you got to kind of play around with that is understanding that if they're very sedentary in their daily life, they're not going to be doing well with two hours of exercise that we're going to add in or anything like that. Um, common clients is a lot of chronic issues, so whether that's shoulder or knee uh, overuse injuries or low back issues or just kind of correcting posture. And there's a variety of different things. All right, so it's not just athletes coming in to see you guys. So it is like any anyone out there that needs needs treatment. So, um, so what occurs during an assessment? So or your first appointment, someone comes in to see you guys, and uh, you know how do you like to uh, how do you like to start off with them? Um, so we usually start off with just a little quick history, so Q and A session, kind of understand what's going on, what's causing them issues. Um, what their pain levels at, number of different questions. Uh, do a quick observation, so imbalances, asymmetries. Um, if their gait is off or their bio biomechanics are off, then we might get some uh, functional movements done. Uh, then we'll do a quick range of motion, so both active and passive strength testing. We'll do a few special tests to kind of pinpoint what's causing or which muscle or whatever is causing uh, the injury, and try to uh, rule out some specific structures. So um, usually get an indice of suspicion, and then we'll go from there. So create some uh, training goals and rehab program, then usually just jump in a few exercises and just get them, get them going. The one thing I always tell patients when they come in for an assessment is to tell me absolutely everything. So past injury history, whether it has to do with what we're looking at or not, or any concerns you have, I need to know it all, and then we can work from there. And that your assessment will not be comfortable. If you do have an injury, like Jeremy said, we're going through the ranges of motion and the special tests, and we are trying to pinpoint exactly what is the cause of the pain. And unfortunately, that means we are going to put you in that pain. So just a general warning, but please don't let that scare you off. I think definitely getting the, uh, the background story of, uh, of the person who's coming in to see you is a great idea with, uh, you know, if they've gone to several different practitioners, they've tried different things, they're not working. I know some people like going in and not saying everything and being like, hey, I'm going to get the therapist to figure it out. But honestly, I think that's kind of a waste of time. It's like, hey, we've tried all this stuff already. None of it worked. Let's, let's you know, see how we can change things from there. And uh, I did, uh, I went for an appointment with Heather, it was two or three weeks ago or so, and um, I had uh, a pretty serious motocross accident like 20 years ago, snapped my leg in half, almost lost it, and have some issues from that, and then uh, ended up slipping a year and a half ago carrying my 120-pound Husky, and I didn't want to drop him, so I, uh, I did what I had to do to keep him up, not thinking about it, and had some pretty, pretty severe knee pain, uh, squatting and stuff, so... I kind of uh, told Heather all the all the stuff that I had done to me um, by other practitioners, and uh, you know they were they were definitely trying. They were definitely trying to figure out what was going on, and Heather took some uh, different approaches to it. Um, did some soft tissue work, uh, which I there's a, a photo somewhere of me smothering my face with a pillow because uh, yeah, it it was uncomfortable, but it definitely made a difference after. So working on a little bit more. Um, 
working a bit more on the hip and the, the ankle made a huge difference. And uh, I actually really haven't had a whole lot of pain in squatting uh, recently. So it's just taking that time to, to warm up and do the homework. And it has made a huge difference. But sometimes you have to go through a bit of that discomfort to figure out what's going to work and, and what's not. So um, what types of tools would an AT use during a treatment? So what, uh, you know, if someone's coming in to see you, I know you're not going to use the same thing on everyone, but uh, what are the biggest things that you find you use more consistently? I'm a fairly consistent fan of manual work, so I do use a lot of massage and release techniques. So, yeah, and as Paul's pointing to his elbows, I, I get my elbows in there. Uh, it's fairly effective, throw your weight behind it. Um, but I think that's usually a very effective way to get those releases. And then, of course, homework. And the homework always includes some stretching, maybe some mobility exercises and strengthening exercises. And it's going to be different than what you see in a weightlifting class or a workout class because they're going to be targeted to your specific problem. And we're going to look for those imbalances and try and fix them. And yeah, we use like all sorts of modalities if Jeremy wants to elaborate. I sure can. Uh, so we do use a number of modalities. Uh, I don't like to stick with them all the time, but usually just to get someone started. Uh, so like heat, ice, ultrasound, TENS, IFC. Uh, it just kind of depends on where they are in their recovery process and uh, if it's appropriate for that situation. So. I also make sure that they are able to do these at home because they're only with me an hour a week or a couple hours a week where they're spending 100, whatever, 168 hours on their own. So if they don't have the equipment at home, then they're not going to be doing their exercises at home. And then uh, don't do your homework, you don't get better. So. Okay, so some of the things that uh, people might not uh, know of that you guys actually do in your treatment sessions can can be a long list of things. Like, you can do personal training, PNF stretching, um, assisted joint mobilizations, massage therapy, active release treatment, physical assessments, range of motion assessments, and guidance for enhanced mobility for those very stiff people. Um, stability work for those not so stiff people and very lax people, uh, exercise demonstration and modification. So if someone, uh, I know sometimes trainers come up with programs for people and uh, they don't teach them how to do the exercises, like that's something that's very important, especially if people are going to be doing it on their own. Um, prehab and rehab, you know, pre or post surgery, um, functional movement testing, so uh, just like someone, if they have a very physically demanding job and uh, need to get into better positions while they're, say, lifting clients or moving uh, moving heavy and odd objects all day long, you know, that's, that's something that people might need to relearn as well. And then even like strength and conditioning um, programming for, for teams. So that's a pretty long list of things that you could do, and I'm sure there's even more. But uh, I don't know if there's anything that you want to touch on for, for any of that or. Sure. Um, so one big, big thing that I find is what are they returning to, right? Um, so if they're an athlete, if they're a hockey player, I want to get them back doing that sport with me able to observe what they're doing and make sure they're doing correct technique and um, they're going to be used to that load or the amount of work that you'll, they'll be doing. So, 
Yeah, I think that list just goes to show that the scope is fairly big and we do try to incorporate as much as possible to get that nice rounded recovery and you be able to be comfortable going back to whatever activity it is. And even if we were rehabbing you for hockey or football or weightlifting, that you also feel comfortable doing yard work for three hours or any other demands that you might find. Yeah, I know there's people, especially, uh, it's it's cool seeing, like, I'm going to say older people, but, like, people in their, well, it could be, like, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s that are maybe starting to get into physical activity. I know athletes coming into CrossFit, for example, like, you need to have a good amount of mobility um, to get uh, the Olympic lifts done properly, and not everyone has that, so usually like we're able to give people homework so that they're able to uh, to get into those better positions but it does take time when you're trying to create more joint mobility it's not uh, it's not something that comes overnight so that's something that you know someone doesn't have to be in pain or anything like that it's just like hey I want to get into a better position in uh, my overhead squat so even like coming to see you guys for finding out exactly what their limiters and restrictions are can be uh, a good benefit. And then, you know, giving them homework and a plan to kind of um, to follow to sort of reach that. And even coming back to uh, to reassess and retest and, you know, say they get past those plateaus that you had previously given them homework on, there might be something else that's a bit of a restriction now. So um, for people who are really motivated to kind of progress and uh, and move better, it's not just going to help you for the Olympic lifting. But you know, as you get older, if you don't use it, you lose it, and you'll end up kind of losing some of that mobility and and the ability to to move our our bodies were meant to. So, um, I know this question is sometimes a little tense, but. Um, what can you tell listeners about the, uh, the difference between athletic therapy and physiotherapy? Um, a lot of times I find it comes down to the practitioner and what they're willing and able to do for the client. And, um, I know with my experiences, I've seen some great chiropractors, physios, ATs, uh, massage therapists. And they're usually the ones that are willing to go and try different methods if something's not working. And meaning like, you know, if you're coming in and all the therapist is doing is massage on you and you're not seeing any differences or changes, um, or if, you know, it's just like heat and ice and tens and then, you know, you keep going back in for that and you're not seeing any changes or any, any improvements, usually if you have a good therapist, they're going to say, okay, like we're not seeing any changes. Let's, let's switch it up and we're going to try something different. And if that's not working, they'll usually have more tools in their toolbox and they'll try something different. And, uh, like what to, to you guys, what is, what is the, the biggest differences there? Um, so one of the biggest things is just schooling. So athletic therapy, we do a four-year degree, and we spe- specialize in musculoskeletal injuries, so muscles, tendons, bones, ligaments, all that stuff. Um, physio does include that, but they are a two-year master program, and they have a broader scope of practice. So not only is it, um, is it uh, musculoskeletal, but they also will do... <laughs> Um, cardiovascular or respiratory or if you got into 
a car accident and lost the feelings of your limbs or heart attack or anything like that, um, they'll, they'll do rehab for those injuries. But kind of in the clinic, we it depends on the practitioner, like Paul said. It really depends on the, the therapist. So athletic therapists compared to each other are, could be completely different. And then athletic therapists compared to physios could be completely different. Or we might do some similarities to our rehab. So, Yeah, I agree with Jeremy on most of those points. Um, it's... <laughs> it's it's comes down lots to the education and also mostly where the pract who the practitioner is and where they're working and Paul touched on this before about how there will be some clinics where they're trying to fit five patients per hour and you'll see your practitioner of yeah for one therapist and you'll see your practitioner no matter what kind of practitioner it is for five minutes but you're somehow still there for an hour and so I think the biggest thing is that if you're not seeing results and you're not seeing your practitioner adapting, find a different practitioner. Because the most important thing is that you're going to be happy and you're going to see results. And if you're not happy, then come see us. Shameless plug. <laughs> so, um, so is uh, is athletic therapist I er, an athletic therapist covered by insurance? I know some um, some insurance companies are great and they they do support it, and uh, it just doesn't seem to get as uh, much coverage as other types of therapy or modalities. So, any uh, any thoughts or comments on that? I have been surprised lately about how many insurance companies have changed their plans to incorporate athletic therapy. One of the biggest things I'm seeing lately is it's either not as much coverage, so we're talking $350 per year for physio versus $100 per year for athletic therapy, or physiotherapy you can get right in no problem, but athletic therapy you need a doctor's referral. So it's, it's very subjective per plan, like it changes quite a bit, but it's covered by most if you look into it. All right, so... Um, for each of you, or together, uh, what three tips would you suggest to athletes or just anyone and everyone to maintain a healthy and well-balanced and functional body? My first one is stretch. Always stretch. Um, when, when do you stretch? Okay, well, this is always a good question as well. <laughs> um, when do we stretch? Uh, static stretches, you want to save for the end of your workout, so anything where you're holding it for 20 to 30 seconds or more. Those are always at the end of your workout. Dynamic warm-ups, where you're having some nice lengthening of the muscles and a increasing blood flow and all that fun stuff is good beforehand. Um, but just making sure you're well-prepared. Warming up is huge, especially when you're playing outdoor sports, and it's October. Um, very, very important to be warming up. And the third is just to keep moving. Even if you have something that's causing you pain, get it seen right away. Don't wait. Don't think it's going to go away by itself if you stop the activity because then you're going to end up stiff and sore and you're going to detrain yourself and then we're even worse off than where we started. So if you are in pain, get it looked at. Come say hello. Don't be scared. Uh, those are all great points. Uh, so three tips. Definitely proper warm-up, so making sure dynamic stretches, get the blood flowing going, so a light jog or anything like that. And then you also want to do movement-based, right? So if you're doing 
snatches and you want to warm up to the, your max increase weight and all that. Um, staying limber throughout the day, so if you're working at a desk or um, just very sedentary, you want to get up moving, just come up with excuses to get up from the desk. So if it's stretching, going for a walk, just getting water, anything like that. Um, uh, making sure that you're eating right and supporting your workouts, and that will allow you to have an appropriate recovery for that workout, but then also supporting your recovery process from an injury. All right, so uh, last question for you two. Do you need to be an athlete to come see an athletic therapist? You do not need to be an athlete to see an athletic therapist. So it's a common misconception that you must be athletic, you must be an athlete. Um, everyone is considered an athlete in what they do. It doesn't have to be a sport. Um, so it could be just a general population. It could be a work-related injury. It could be an injury after a car accident. We work with MPI and WCB. Um, at the beginning stage of an injury, it doesn't really vary that much between an athlete and a non-athlete. A sprained AC joint is pretty much the same, regardless of if it's a hockey player or someone who just tripped and fell on their shoulder. It's what we're going to be doing to get them back to where they were. So obviously, general population won't have to go through hockey-related activities to kind of get them back to where they were. Unless, of course, you want to start playing hockey, and then we'll make that happen for you. Um, but yeah, if, as soon as you walk in these doors, you're considered an athlete. And if you take your dog for a walk, you can be a walker. And if you run five steps to catch the squirrel or whatever, then you're a runner. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're going to be an athlete no matter what. So we're, we treat everyone the same. Is, is squirrel catching? <laughs> is is squirrel catching like something that uh, I've never heard of that before, but I don't, I'm going to look that up after we're done this podcast. Yeah. So, okay. All right. So um, it's, it's cool that you guys have like the gym here at your disposal too. So it's not just that you have a clinic setting to treat people in, but um, here at Stark, they have uh, a turfed area to, uh, to work with athletes. We've got a lot of, uh, mobility tools here that uh, that they might make use of in training sessions and then even uh, actual like, you know, dumbbells and barbells and all that kind of stuff to watch people's movement patterns and uh, and help assess them if it is something like exercise related that they're coming in for. So it's pretty cool to have that at their disposal as well. So any anything to add, you two? Come see us. Yeah. Come see us. We look forward to it. That's... <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, if you're wanting to uh, to book at all with Heather or Jeremy, you can always go to our direct booking site, and that is Stark, S-T-A-R-K-E, strength, S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H, dot Jane app, so that's J-A-N-E-A-P-P, dot com, so... Uh, it's pretty cool. You can book anytime. You don't have to talk to an actual human being to book an appointment. If you're someone who just doesn't get along with other people, you can always uh, you can always give us a call too if you do want to talk to someone. Um, the phone number here is 204-421-8801, and uh, they would be happy to see you and help you recover. So thank you, everyone, for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. 
Take care.